Here in China, there is such darkness. But in the midst of this darkness, we are experiencing God's victory. I became a believer 10 years ago. I heard about Christ when I was on a business trip. After that, my entire family came to Christ. But we are not free to share our faith with others. If you are spreading the gospel, Chinese government treats you as a criminal. They want to control the number of Christians. They want to control what God is doing. I hear from time to time of brothers and sisters being persecuted and arrested. Last week, a good friend of mine was taken by the Chinese police. He was questioned and then beaten so bad that he almost died, all because of spreading the gospel. In the city, everywhere you look, there are apartments. Since we can't meet in public, our ministry takes place in the buildings we live in. In the evenings, brothers and sisters in Christ gather together in homes. This is our church. If you ask people on the street, most have never heard of Christ or read the Bible. No one in their family is a believer. The dangers here are driven by darkness, and that darkness can be quite fearful, especially when I think of my family. But God never fears, and He will overcome. So I want to go and share, despite being at risk. I minister to the neighbors that live next door or upstairs. I visit them often. I listen and I share in their life. When I get the chance, I tell the story of Jesus Christ and we pray. And the Holy Spirit works. Every week, we see new people come to Christ. Only two weeks ago, an amazing thing happened we discovered there was another home church meeting at the top of this very same building. In our own building, God had brought up another fellowship. That really humbled us. In the midst of all the darkness, all the persecution, the Holy Spirit is moving. He continues to prepare the hearts of people in China.
Every day, I have the opportunity to share the love of Jesus Christ, even if it means I could go to prison. For who can have victory over God? Nobody. No matter what country. Like that, he says, "For who can have victory over God? Nobody, no country." The benefit that we have in doing the plan that we're doing this year and going through Scripture together, from Genesis to Revelation, is that we encounter passages that we may not typically read, or we we skip over, we don't talk about much. Now, one of the core principles of our church is that we want to be a place that um, is full of grace, but is also full of truth. That those two things should always be in balance. And today, I want to I want to read a, a scripture that <clears throat> that we I don't know if I've ever preached on, but you know this there's there's passages, and I'll say in advance that I don't think that I really understand this completely, but I know the basics enough of it that I want us to talk about it. I want us to talk about persecution today. You know, we uh, it's incredible to hear hear this testimony from this this guy in China. Um, it's incredible to hear from people like John and Abby, the missionaries that came and spoke to us. Um, gosh, it's been about a month and a half now or so that are going to be in a really dark place in Thailand, place where it says all the main shamans and the wick do- uh, witch doctors are actually trained. They're going into a Incredible place where <clears throat> where the gospel is not welcomed. As we read this part of scripture, as we look at the video about China, as we hear about Thailand, for us it's really foreign. You know, in the sense that <clears throat> we don't know what persecution is like. We have no idea. We can't comprehend. I remember seeing a video, <clears throat> excuse me, about a year ago or so that people had gotten together and had had saved some money and purchased some Bibles to send to Chinese Christians. I don't know if anyone's ever seen this video, but they, they, these Chinese Christians open up these boxes and they, they open them up and they realize that they're Bibles and they are just like, like kids on Christmas day, just shouting, excited and crying and just kind of just holding onto their Bible and, and just kissing it and just kind of like it's a teddy bear and, like you know, like it's a steak they haven't had in like two years. I mean, it's just like the most amazing thing for them to be able to have the Word of God in their hands. And I think about that. I think about them undergoing persecution, them just falling in love with Jesus and so desperate for His Word compared to how we are in America. You know, where it just we we take it for granted. The the picture on our Facebook page right now is is the Bible with some dust on it that says "Read me," right? Like you would typically go up to one of those cars and some bonehead writes "Wash me" on the back. Persecution does something. Persecution causes people to realize what's really important. It causes them to focus on the most important thing when difficulties come. In our lives, it causes us to reassess. It causes us to realize what is truly important. How am I spending my time? What is my life about? And so I want us to look. We're going to, in our, in our reading this past week, we found ourselves at one point in the book of Mark. 
And so we're going to look at Mark chapter 13 this morning. We're going to flip around a little bit, jump like I usually do. But we're going to begin here in Mark chapter 13, verse 1. Mark 13, 1, I'm reading out of the ESV version. Jesus is, is walking with his disciples and they're passing the temple and they're looking at it and just how incredible it is, you know. But Jesus shares some kind of alarming things with them. And he says, says, and he came out of the temple. And as he came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. It's all gonna, it's all gonna fall apart here. And it says, And as he sat on the Mount of Olives opposite the temple, Peter and James and John and Andrew asked him privately, Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to to them, See, that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name, saying, I am he. They will lead many astray. And when you hear of wars and and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place. But the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. And these are but the beginning of the birth pains. He says, but be on your guard for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues. And you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel, it says, must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say, but say whatever is given you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. It says, and brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father, his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated. Here's kind of a key verse for this morning. You will be hated by all for my name's sake. You'll be hated by all because of Jesus. But he says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Persecution eventually, and we don't like to think about this for Christians, will be coming to us. When? I don't know. Is it here in some ways? Sure. You know, we we see it in kind of political type ways, you know, where um, Christian values in many ways are are, are frowned upon, you know, or attacked or, um, you know, or just not treated the same as, as others if you stand for Christ, but certainly not to the level of what we're talking about in China, that if you stood up for Christ, that you're beaten. But what Jesus does say is he says, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. And I want to, I want to 
that's interesting to me because let's look at this passage. Let's do a little bit of jumping around about this. We're going to take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. <clears throat> Excuse me. Second Timothy chapter three, and we're going to the key verse here is verse twelve. In fact, I'm going to back up just to give some context. So we're going to look at Second Timothy three ten is where we'll start. Second <clears throat> Timothy three ten says, "You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life." my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings that happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and at Lystra, which persecutions I, en- I endured, yet from them all, every one of them, the Lord rescued me. This is, this is Paul talking to Timothy in a letter he's written to Timothy. And he says something very interesting. <clears throat> he says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. If you desire to live a godly life, if you desire to follow Christ, you will be persecuted. Why is that? I'm just curious. I mean, we're small enough that I can ask some questions and get some feedback. Why do you think that is? Yeah. We forget many times that, you know, and you, you enlightened us with this, reminded us uh, there's a spiritual battle going on, isn't there? You know, uh, we, the, the, the battle that we wage is not against flesh and blood, we learn um, in Ephesians chapter six, right? It's not against flesh and blood against the principalities, the powers in dark places. And so there, this, this battle has been going on for a long time. But if you were going to, to live a godly life, if you're going to honor Christ, then you have to be aware that those who live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. And which brings up the question is, if you're not persecuted right now, it makes me wonder, what are we doing wrong? <laughs> you know? Uh, are we not speaking up? Are we not sharing Christ with others? You know, the guy, the Chinese Christian that that shared, yeah, he could be just fine if he kept his mouth shut. He could be just fine if he didn't share the gospel. If he just went along with with the flow, if you will. You know, I don't know if you've seen some of those um, Christian posters. I would always like the one where you have <clears throat> if this picture of fish just going downstream. You know, just all the school of fish. And then you've got the ichthus or the kind of the Christian fish. I think you know what I'm talking about. The one you see in the back of cars go in the opposite direction. And see, to, to honor Christ, to live for God really in many ways in society is to go the opposite direction. And that's not, that draws a lot of attention for one. And it's, it can be very unpopular 
and very uncomfortable. But if you desire to live a godly life in Christ, it says we will be persecuted. I want to encourage you. One of the things I do when I study um, for, for a sermon, a lot of times I'll just look in, I'll type into Google scripture on persecution, for example. And several things will come up, but there's always one really good resource that's called the Open Bible. If you have, I don't know if you guys have ever seen the Open Bibles. They're awesome with verse references. But it will bring up a digital version of just scripture after scripture that, that has to do with persecution. I encourage you today to do that and begin to just look at how much scripture comes up. So many topics you could type in. You type in persecution, verse after verse after verse comes up that has to do with this topic. It's amazing how as Christians, sometimes you kind of want to avoid, you know, we don't want to talk about this. We want to talk about God's love and grace. We want to, we want to talk about what it means. <clears throat> we want to be comfortable. How, do, how does our life, that's kind of the pursuit of the American dream, isn't it? Is to be comfortable, you know? It's to have the house and the 2.5 kids, according to the stats, and you know enough money to retire and to do all those kinds of things. And that's our goal is to kind of make our life comfortable. We don't like to walk in the other direction to make life hard. But if you're going to share the gospel, it's going to be hard. John and Abby are a great example for me right now, the missionaries to Thailand, because what they've been doing is literally going through their house and selling all their stuff. They are paring their life down to like, they took a picture of it. It's like two suitcases and like this one little chest. That's all the stuff that they're going to be taking with them to Thailand. They have literally traded their American lifestyle, if you will, to go ahead and go to one of the hardest parts of Thailand and to share the gospel. Will they be persecuted? You better believe it. You better believe it. The thing is, is that they're in good company. Let's take a, let me show you what I mean by that. Let's take a turn to John chapter 15. In the beginning of, or if you've thought about John chapter 15 before, this is the passage where Jesus talks about the vine and the branches. And you've probably heard a million sermons on this particular passage where it means to, to abide, to, to, for our life to be in Christ and Christ in us. And, and let's just kind of just briefly read through this. It says, I'm the vine. My father is the vine dresser. This is in verse 1. I'm in verse 2. Now, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes. So that what? So it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. But then he says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, Neither can you unless you abide in me. There's a, a necessity to abide, to live in him and for him to live in us, that unity with Christ. I'm the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, 
He is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, (coughs) ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Pretty cool part of that, isn't it? Because you're like, man, am I abiding in him? Am I not? This branch is being thrown away, and we realize, you know, true joy, as we've said over and over and over and over, probably every Sunday is found in Christ. Even in the midst of difficulty. He says, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. That someone lay down his life for his friends. Who showed the greatest love? Hmm? You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I call you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, it should live, it should carry on, right? So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Now, that's challenging enough, but it's full of of great reward and benefit, right? You'll truly know the joy of Christ if if you do these things. And we could stop there, and we typically do, right? End of sermon, great. How do I abide in Christ? How do I focus more in Him? And it seems kind of more like an internal thing. Well, look at what the rest of the chapter says in context. It says all of this and the, the whole point of bearing fruit. And then he says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. You, th- you look at Jesus. You know, what did Jesus ever do? Yeah, he, was, he was hated. He was despised. He was killed. He was nailed to a cross. If the world Hate you, know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. What we were saying earlier, if you just did everything else that everyone else did, went with the flow, did the things the world wanted, you'd, you'd be in their good graces. But he says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore, the world hates you. Which is really tough for me, because I'm one of those guys that really wants to be liked. You know? Don't you want to be liked? Don't you want to get along with people? You know, Dennis has the same same kind of stigma I had at his age, where it's kind of like, you know, we could be going at this place where they give out free samples, but he just doesn't want to go up to the table and get it for whatever reason. It's like, just don't want to, uh, just, I don't know, just this 
insecurity thing. I don't want to disturb somebody. I, I don't know. It's just this weird, well, I'd just rather be cool, stay to myself, not ruffle any feathers, or if there's something wrong with the food, I'm not going to say anything, you know, just, just keep it status quo. And so when you read this kind of stuff, it's like, you know, it's really uncomfortable to engage sometimes. It's really uncomfortable to share challenging things with people because there is no one more challenging than Christ. When he says, if you're going to follow me, what? What do got to do? Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. Hey, are you willing to give up your life and follow Jesus? You willing to lay all this stuff aside completely and follow, follow Christ? That's not an easy conversation to have. And so Jesus says these things, and he says, Remember the word that I said to you, <clears throat> a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. Now, I don't know what that looks like right now. But the, thing, the reason we're going over this, is, this today is that there's, there's going to come a time where you're going to face that. If they persecuted Christ, they're going to persecute you. The thing is, if we don't talk about this now, when do we talk about it, right? Because the, the way um, America is now, will it always be this way? Who knows? Will we end up being like China where the gospel is, you know, you're beaten up for the gospel? I don't know. At the very least, should we have an appreciation for what our other brothers and sisters in Christ are facing, you know, in, in nations like China? It's incredible. But, but it says those who, who, if we love Christ, why should we expect anything different? A servant's not greater than his master. If he faced it, then we'll face it too. <clears throat> Let's look at another passage in, in 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4. I'm going to turn more to the right. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 4, I'm going to look at verse 12. We'll start there. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, <clears throat> do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. We act as if something bad happens to us or things get tough, that it's strange, that it's out of place. We have to realize that, you know, that if Christ was persecuted, if Christ suffered, then we're going to be no different. So but don't, don't be surprised, as, act as if something strange is happening to you. And don't be surprised, you know, after this sermon today and you look and you see that long list of scripture on persecution when it happens and when it comes. 
Don't be surprised at the fiery trial. <clears throat> Just lost my place. Let's see here. So, uh, here we go. Thank you. If, this is great, if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. If, if people say negative things about you because of, of, your, of you following Christ, you're blessed. Because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. He says, but let none of you suffer as a, a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. He says, yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but, uh, but let him glorify God in that name. It says, for it's time for judgment to begin at the household of God. And if it begins with us, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? See, resistance, I think we mentioned this last week or the week before, persecution, resistance causes growth. It causes strength. It causes focus. You know, and, and what I've been doing over the last year, going to the gym, on a weekly basis, that's resistance. You know, no one likes to go through it. I've gotten to the point where I enjoy it. But when you lift heavier and heavier weights, you get what? You get stronger and stronger and stronger. When God brings difficult times and difficult things into our life, it has this tendency of, of drawing us closer to Him. It's a book I read recently by Francis Chan that was talking about the church in, I think, is in, 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 in China or a part of another part of, of Asia where they, the church had undergone persecution for so long. And because of that, they were tight and they were close to the Lord. Their worship was just amazing. They were so locked in and so focused on what really matters. And he said, over time, the things, the conditions changed in that particular country where they were, things eased up. And as soon as they eased up, they just kind of noticed that, Everyone just kind of began bickering about stupid things, things that didn't matter. Like you see churches bickering about the color of a classroom or carpet or this. They're like, does that matter? Who cares? Or they get wrapped up in what's going on in their jobs and all these little things that we worry about, right? It's really a little thing compared to what really matters. But that persecution, that, that tough time was a different environment for them. It caused them to stay focused. It caused them to stay um, in love with Jesus, reliant upon him. When we're in those moments where we have to trust him, we do. But then when things ease off many times, you've seen this in your life, then are things that seems like they just kind of you lose focus, you kind of ease back, you kind of wander away. The Lord knows that. <clears throat> Let's look at just a few more verses. Let's turn now. I'm just going to make it quick for us here. Let's give somebody turn to Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. Who will, who will read that for me? Okay. And then somebody else take Luke chapter 6, verse 22. Who's got that one? 
6.22. So the first one is Matthew 5.10, and the second one is Luke 6.22. Go for it. Matthew 5.10. You're blessed. Blessed, Jesus says, blessed are those who are persecuted. So hard for us to see it that way sometimes, but it's a it's a blessing. Okay, uh, Luke six twenty two says something similar. Mm-hmm. Blessed are you when you undergo persecution. <clears throat> I want to look at one final verse and we'll wrap things up. We're going to if you would turn back to chap to Mark chapter 13 This is this is talking about the coming of Christ. Jesus is going to come back one day. We live so many times as if he's very far away. Those that are under persecution do not. They're dependent, they're reliant upon him for every moment for their very lives. But Christ is coming back and and this addresses, you know, how how will he find us? Let's give some context. And so we're going to back up a little bit. Mark 13, 24 says, but in those days, he talks about this, this trial, these end time stuff. After that tribulation, the sun will be darkened <clears throat> and the moon will not give its light. And the stars will be falling from heaven and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Some pretty scary stuff. Quite honestly, the kind of stuff I kind of want to skim over when you read Scripture and like, ah, we'll, we'll figure it out. Don't like to dwell on it. Does anybody else do that? Yeah. I'm like, ah, I don't know if I want to, how much time I want to spend studying this. And in some ways, as long as you're saying, God, it's in your hands, that's okay. But you have to, we have to be realistic. Some, some bad stuff, eventually, some uncomfortable stuff is coming for a little while. All this stuff is going to happen. The powers in the heavens will be shaken. It says, and then they will see the Son of Man. This is the exciting part, right? They'll see the Son of Man coming in the clouds with great power and glory. And then he will send out the angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth, and to the ends of heaven. He will gather us together. Then he gives this lesson. He says, from the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branches become tender and put out its and put out it puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. Such a great passage for what's happening right now. How many of y'all have noticed, right? You know, the Bradford pears, or though they are considered a, an invasive species, apparently, are blooming. But I, I look and I see uh, 
my dogwood tree, my one, my one dogwood tree is like, it's, you know, it's, the shoots are coming out. It's near. Summer is near. Spring is, is truly near in this case. It says, so also when you see these things taking place, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly, I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. And then he says this, he says, but concerning that day or that hour, no one knows, not even the angels in heaven, nor the son, but only the father. And then he says this, this is really interesting. Be on guard. Keep awake for you do not know when the time will come is like a man going on a journey and when he leaves home and puts his servants in charge each with his work and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake therefore stay awake for you do not know when the master of the house will come in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows, or in the morning, lest he come suddenly and find you asleep. And what I say to you, I say to all, stay awake. And the question is this morning, those who are persecuted, they're wide awake. They're dependent. They're focused. Their life is wrapped around Christ. But where are we? Are you awake? Are you ready? Are you doing the things that Christ has called you to do? Are you living the life that he's called you to live? Are you looking for him? Are you ready? Are you awake? So many times we're kind of going through life just kind of half asleep. Just kind of going through the motions. The only thing that matters is Christ. Are we awake? Can we pray? Lord, I, I thank you for, <clears throat> for a difficult passage this morning. Lord, we, persecution is not something that we look for, but we know that if we are, that we're blessed. Lord, help us to to be to live lives that are wide awake that are looking for you that are cognizant of you that are that are about your business and not our own that our lives are about you and not ourselves help us to remember our brothers and sisters in Christ overseas in different areas where they daily undergo persecution and fear for your name and yet find such joy simply because they have you. Lord, may you be the true source of our joy. May we find it in you and nowhere else. In fact, I don't think we can find it in any other place. Lasting, true joy only comes from you. Lord, strengthen us. Help us to remain focused on you. Help us to be awake. We love you. We thank you for this time together. Lord, be with Be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Lord, be with those in China. Protect them. Look after them. 
Lord, be with the believers in, in Thailand in this particular area that John and Abby are going to. Lord, I pray that you would bless them as they make final preparations to go this spring. Use them mightily for your kingdom. God, help us to be awake. Help us to be aware about what's going around the, the world and, Lord, just how you're moving. Thank you for your care, your grace, your love towards us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen.